Hi there, this is Edwin Crozier from the Franklin Church of Christ in Franklin, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us for this lesson from God's Word. Perhaps you remember what I am sure will be one of the saddest stories of 2006. In January, just at the beginning of the new year, a mine in West Virginia had an explosion and trapped 13 men. Perhaps even sadder than the deaths of 12 of those men was the mass media mistake made. My question is, how in seven minutes can a misheard or misinterpreted message go from the command center to the mass media and the public and get it so wrong? I believe we can take a look at what happened there and parallel some lessons from that event regarding spiritual matters and Bible teaching. Open your Bibles with me and let's learn some lessons from the mass media mistake, a real-life parable from West Virginia. It was Monday morning, January 2nd. Many of us were still sleeping off our New Year's celebration when in Sago, West Virginia, the Sago mine exploded, trapping 13 men inside. For the next 40-some-odd hours, rescuers worked to remove the poisonous gases, restore ventilation, and find those men. About 8 o'clock on Tuesday evening, near the site of the explosion, they found the remains of one of the miners and reported back to the command center that they'd found him. And at that moment, there was a slight amount of hope because apparently the other 12 men had been able to walk away from the explosion. They continued their search. Now, I highly doubt that we are ever going to know what really happened in the hours following that point. But we certainly recognize the great travesty that took place. At about 11.45 on Tuesday evening, the rescuers sent a message back to the command center in code. Now, either that code was misinterpreted or the message was misheard, but the message came back to the command center, 12 are alive. The command center erupted with joy such that those who were in charge had to send just about everybody else out in order to find out what exactly was said and to confirm and to figure out what the truth was before they started passing on information to anybody else. However, within seven minutes, the message had not only gotten to the family that they had received this message, it also made it to the Associated Press and was sent on the wires out to the papers. At about 8.30 on Wednesday morning, I picked up my cup of coffee at the Mapco Express just down the road here, and I found the USA Today cover story. Alive. Twelve miners. Beat odds. I was amazed. I could hardly believe it. I'd seen the story on the news the day before, and I thought, well, it's too late. That There's no way those guys are even alive now. And yet here it was on the paper, black and white. It had to be true. They had pictures of the family excited. They had names of the one that they had found dead. Surely it was true. But at that point, most everybody had known for five hours that it wasn't true. By three o'clock, they were aware that it was a mistake. They had official confirmation that 12 of the 13 men had died. One was in critical condition and on his way to the hospital. Thursday morning's USA Today, the headline says, Family Stunned 
by turn of events. How can a mistake like that happen? How can it happen that something that is just so patently not true in seven minutes go from being a misheard or misinterpreted statement between two groups of people to being worldwide news and accepted by even the media and passed on such that it even makes it to the papers by that morning? How does that happen? Can you imagine for just a moment being one of these people up here who heard that their family member was alive and for three hours expected to see their husband, their father, their son, or their brother walk through the door of the church building in which they were waiting to have celebrated and laughed and and sang and to have prayed and to have thanked God and to have shouted and, and, and jumped around and hollered and have been so excited and so happy only to find out that the next person who came through the door was not your family member, but somebody who was going to tell you, we're sorry, it's not true. Can you imagine what that must have felt like? I can hardly imagine it. But then I remember a Bible passage. Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning at verse 21, the Scripture there says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. How many people fit this passage? That have been taught something? They believe something? They're convinced based on what people have said to them that when they stand before God in judgment, He's going to say, enter in. And yet when they stand there, they hear, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I have no desire to make light of what happened in Sago, West Virginia this week. But when I consider the parallels between these two things... I think we can learn some lessons from what happened with this mass media mistake. In fact, I think we see a real-life parable from what happened here. And as we examine what happened in Virginia, I think we might see what happened here in Matthew 7, 21-23. How could a mistake like this happen? I want to examine some of the things that were said. If you were to read through some of the newspapers, watch some of the news reports, you would hear things like this. Scott Lundeen, from HOI 19, a news producer at an Illinois ABC affiliate, said, the jubilation of it. You just wanted to believe it. Ben Hatfield, CEO of the International Coal Group, one of the men who was in the command center, he said there was desperation for good information. They wanted to share it. How could this one little statement that was in code, might be misheard, go in seven minutes to worldwide news? Because it was what people wanted to believe. I think we learned something from this. When we're trying to be those people who get to judgment and actually enter heaven through the grace of Jesus Christ, we must not trust our personal desire. 
We don't get to believe just whatever we want to believe. How many people, when they take a look at what the Scripture says, believe what they want to believe? Even in the face of Scripture that contradicts what they want to believe and how they can work through so many avenues to twist it around to make it say what they want it to say. We cannot trust personal desire. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 says, There is a way which seems right to a man, but it ends in death. We can't bank on what we want. That will not set us free. John chapter 8 and verse 32 points out, You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not about what we want. It's not about what we desire. It's about what's the truth. But is that all there was to this debacle? I don't think so. In fact, if you were to continue to read the stories, you would come across folks like John Castro who said, we were looking for them to come through that door. Man, They believed it. How could this spread? They believed it. When the news came from unidentified sources, they can't even tell you who was the person that brought it to the church building there in Sago, West Virginia. Somebody came in and said, 12 are alive. Somebody later came in and said, they're going to bring them here to the building. Which is a very interesting thing because that was never a part of the plan. And the folks believed it. They started celebrating. They started shouting and singing and dancing. The pastor of that Baptist church led everyone there in how great thou art. When they came in and said they're going to bring these men, they started laying out food in the fellowship hall because they knew the men would be hungry. They believed it. And one of the lessons that we learned from this is we, we can't even trust our personal conviction. How many people have the idea that I believe it so much it must be true? How many people have the idea that faith alone is enough to make whatever we do okay as long as I believe it? And a lot of people are resting their salvation on that. I believe it. It must be true. And what we learn from this is that I can believe it and it might still be wrong. Have you ever seen that bumper sticker? I think I've talked to you about this before. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. The issue is not about what we believe. The issue is what God said settles it. And we may believe all manner of things to the extent that it affects how we act. We rejoice. Praise God. We're absolutely certain that this is it. We're going to heaven. But it's not about what we believe. Again, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23, here were people that believed what they did so strongly they even argued with Jesus about it. But wait a minute, Lord. Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? What about this? And Jesus says to them, Depart. I never knew you, workers of iniquity. Their belief didn't make their works right. Their job was to find what they were supposed to believe based on God's Word. 
We continue to read in the newspapers and watch the news stories, and we come across this. James Goldston, Nightline executive producer, said, We didn't take the family's word for it. We had confirmation from two separate, very well-sourced people involved in the rescue from a very high level. They both told us repeatedly the same information. We had five or six separate sources. We find that even the governor of West Virginia, Jim Mankin, said, They told us they have 12 alive. I mean, if the governor says it, it's got to be true, right? Mark Nimmitt, USA Today reporter, says, Jonathan Klein, president of CNN, CNN US, said, two pretty good sources had appeared to confirm the news. Mankin, which, remember, that's the governor up there, and Representative Shelley Moore Capito. CNN ran an interview with Capito, asked what she could confirm. She said, 12 minors alive. When the governor... And someone from the House of Representatives says this is the way it is. Surely that's confirmation. Surely we can trust them. Look at how special and high up they are. Surely they wouldn't be wrong or make a mistake or jump to conclusions. But they did. And so what do we learn? We learn that we can't trust the special people. How often... How often do people believe things about God's will and about going to heaven and their basis is, well, that guy's been studying it longer than I've been alive. He went to seminary or divinity school. He's, he's impacted millions of people. Surely, he can't be wrong. But we remember Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verse 6. Paul said, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. If an apostle or an angel says anything different than what we find right here, Paul says, they're accursed. And if we follow it, we'll be accursed. We can't trust the special people. We've got to get into God's Word and see what He says. Because special people, eloquent speakers, smart men and women can get it wrong. But God's Word is right. Mark Mimmitt, again, USA Today reporter, said this, Newspapers, wire services, and cable networks all failed. This was in their, by the way, I just had to tell you, this was in their article where they were talking about the mistake they made. This is USA Today's kind of semi-apology. And what an amazing amount of double talk that it was. Because yes, we made a mistake, but we weren't the only ones. And yes, we made a mistake, but we had sources that made mistakes. And so we just listened to how to justify making the mistake because there were so many others that made the mistake. Newspapers, wire services, and cable networks all failed in one degree or another to do their jobs properly. This wasn't our failure. This was a collective failure. Other newspapers that put similar reports on their front pages and at least some editions include the New York Times, Minneapolis Star Tribune, and the Washington Post. Few of the stories raised doubts about the report's credibility. For, by the way, few means that there were some who did. There were some who realized they shouldn't just run with it. Many newspapers published accounts produced by the AP, Associated Press, which first reported that families said 12 minors were alive. 
Let me ask you, if you were awake at that time and you saw the news, did anybody report, did you hear someone say, family said 12 miners are alive? Or did you hear 12 miners alive? USA Today said 12 miners alive. Anderson Cooper, CNN correspondent on the scene, said, we have to rely on the facts. On the facts. We won't comment on that. As we gather them. All the sources we have access to. We were tightly controlled physically. No officials came to talk to us. There's only so much you can do unless you see it with your own eyes. He pointed out that all the sources that we were talking to said this same thing. I believe I accidentally left part of the quote off of the screen. I did. I'm sorry about that. We have to rely on the facts as we gather them, all the sources we have access to. We were tightly controlled physically. No officials came to talk to us. There's only so much one can do. You get multiple sources, and when all of those people are saying the same thing, there's only so much you can do unless you see it with your own eyes. Multiple sources saying the same thing. There were so many people that were saying it. It just had to be true. What we learn is you can't trust the majority. How many people, when it comes to spiritual matters, they think that they're okay because there are so many people who agree. Surely so many people can't be wrong. Do you remember Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 and 14? Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, Enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. You can't trust the majority. The majority is going to be wrong about spiritual matters. Back to Anderson Cooper. I just copied this slide so it's got the same section missing, but this time we've got the pertinent information to this point. We have to rely on the facts as we gather them, all the sources we have access to. We're tightly controlled physically. No officials came to talk to us. There's only so much you can do unless you see it with your own eyes. Only so much you can do. Hmm. But did we do all that we could? Mark Mimmon again says, uh, quoting from Greg Mitchell, editor of Editor and Publisher, says, the job of reporters and editors is to stop and say, we've got some possible good news, but it's not confirmed yet. That really didn't happen. Mitchell says he thinks reporters and editors got carried away by what, by what appeared to be miraculous news. Anderson Cooper asked, or said there's only so much we can do. I'll tell you what we can do. We can wait until we have confirmation from the real authority. And that's exactly what we need to do. We can't trust our personal desires and just bank our salvation on that. We can't even trust our personal conviction and bank our salvation on that. We can't trust the special people. We can't trust the majority. We can only trust the real authority. And in spiritual matters, God's Word is the real authority. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. We don't want to hear what those folks heard in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. We want to hear, enter in, good and faithful servant. 
There's only one way to do that. Don't rely on the preachers and pastors and priests. Don't rely on the majority. Don't assume that because you believe it enough, it must be right. Don't even accept it because this is the way you really want it to be. Go back to the authority. And accept what God says. And follow that. Romans 10 and verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. We have to make sure that the faith we have actually came from God's Word. Check on the authority. Wasn't it tragic what happened to these poor family members this week because of a mass media mistake? But even more tragic is what's going to happen on Judgment Day for so many people because of mass religious mistakes. Don't be a part of that. Go to God's Word and study it. Learn it and follow that. That's the real authority. That's what one can do. I hope this lesson provoked your thinking and was beneficial to you, helping you serve God. Let's remember the five lessons that we learned from the mass media mistake, the real-life parable in West Virginia. Lesson number one, we cannot put our faith in what we want. Lesson number two, we can't even put our faith in our personal conviction. Lesson number three, we must not put our faith in the special people. Lesson number four, we must not put our faith in the majority. And lesson number five, our faith needs to be grounded upon the true authority. In spiritual matters, of course, that's the Word of God. Why do you believe what you believe? Is it because you can go to the Scripture and find God's backing for it? I hope so. If not, let me encourage you. Get into the Word and learn what God has said. Believe and do that, and you'll be serving and glorifying Him. If you have any questions about how to study God's Word, about how to find what God has authorized in Scripture, or about what we're doing at the Franklin Church and whether or not it's authorized by Scripture, please give us a call, 615-794-2359. Or you may visit our website, www.franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps someone has given you this lesson on tape or CD. If that's the case, may I encourage you to go to that website I just mentioned, franklinchurchofchrist.com. We have numerous lessons and studies there that you're free to download and use in any way that you believe will glorify God, help you draw closer to Him, and help others draw closer to Him as well. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. But more importantly, may you richly bless God.